Tina Fey wrote that you can tell how smart people are by what they laugh at. John F. Kennedy wrote, paradoxically, that you know nothing for sure except the fact that you know nothing for sure. Hello, listeners. I'm David Winkler on KWNK Radio, and this is A Writer's World. It's a big subject, and let's see where it leads. Today's program is entitled Laughing Matters, or if you prefer, Laughing Matters. Of the two quotes I shared, JFK's seems to me the most inarguable. In our perilous and perplexed world, any of us would be presumptuous to claim total knowledge in, well, just about anything. The Tina Fey quote, on the other hand, strikes me as problematic. I'd hate to be judged by some of the dumb jokes, smutty jokes, sexist jokes, and, if I'm being totally honest, the occasional racist joke I've laughed at in my life. In the long run, I hope my funny IQ is secure in most people's company. So to be fair to Tina Fey, I don't know what her context was exactly, but I'll assume she was looking for a pattern. If I laugh at, say, one Beavis and Butthead joke, God help me, well okay, but if that's the only kind of joke I laugh at, then everyone will know something about me and my intellect. One thing seems certain, we all like to laugh. It becomes a matter of what makes us laugh. Humor, while universal, is the most subjective of all human expression, whether oral or on the page. Some may react to a joke or a funny story in outrage, some in amusement, others in fits of hilarity. Still others will say, uh, I don't get it. A man walks into a department store with his seeing eye dog. Suddenly, he starts twirling the dog on its leash, high above his head, real fast like a helicopter blade. A clerk witnesses this, rushes over to him, and cries, Hey, man, stop that! What are you doing? The man answers, Oh, I'm just having a look around. Now, is that funny, offensive, or just plain dumb? Or a bit of all three? Many maintain that writing humor is the most difficult kind of writing of all. If you don't believe it, try sitting down and making up something funny, whether a joke or a sketch or a story, and see if it makes your friends and loved ones roil with laughter. Edmund Gwynn, toward the end of his life, said, Dying is easy. Comedy is hard. That line was later made famous by Jack Lemmon. We all of us more or less relate to tragedy in the same way, but not so with humor. Consider that during Elizabethan times, I'm speaking of Elizabeth I. Families in London would visit the insane asylum in order to laugh at the inmates. Likewise, they enjoyed watching bear baiting for their Sunday pleasure, which by anyone's standard should be no laughing matter. A venerable form of humor has always been stand-up comedy in America. Entertainers like Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Amy Schumer, Eddie Murphy, and legions of others. Seinfeld, for the most part, provides family-friendly friendliness, at which he's a master. Here are a few of his one-liners. Proof that we don't understand death is we give dead people a pillow. Having a two-year-old kid is like having a blender, but you don't have a top for it. People who read the tabloids deserve to be lied to. Here's one from a personal favorite of mine, Groucho Marx. If you can't curl up in bed with a good book, curl up with someone who's read one. 
There have been plenty of contemporary groundbreaking comedians, many of them women, thanks to the pioneering efforts of Joan Rivers, Phyllis Diller, and others who spoke of topics formerly forbidden, to name a handful, Wanda Sykes, Whoopi Goldberg, Lily Tomlin, Ellen DeGeneres, Sarah Silverman. I tried finding a joke by Silverman, but none are appropriate for this program except maybe this one. I finished school early. I dropped out. Otherwise, Sarah Silverman's jokes tend to be scurrilous, scabrous, and scatological, and often outrageously funny. It's often been stated that in humor, nothing's sacred. Everything is fair game. You would think, wouldn't you, that cancer is no laughing matter. But then we're given the unique comic talent of Tig Notaro, which I can't begin to explain here. Nataro underwent a double mastectomy for her breast cancer, which she talks about in her act. In one shocking onstage sketch, she ripped off her blouse and stood bare-chested before her audience. People applauded wildly, not just for Tig Nataro's daring, but for her willingness to share how she overcame her illness. Laughter depends on, if not shock, at least surprise. You never hear anybody announcing to someone else, in two minutes I'm going to laugh. Laughter is an uncontrolled reflex. It's a gift we give to others and they give to us. Shifting now to political and social humorists, John Stewart, Bill Maher, Janine Garofalo, Stephen Colbert, and one of the rare conservative mirthmakers I know of, Dennis Miller. They do their best to push our buttons, get a rise out of us, and prompt discussion which is always welcome. Going back a ways, Dick Gregory, Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, the Smothers Brothers, kicked open many taboo doors. My favorite is George Carlin, who wasn't explicitly political, but he didn't mind pushing the social envelope whenever possible. Here's one of his milder lines. In America, anyone can grow up to be president, and that's the problem. Something more typically Carlin is, and I will have to bloop out a word, fighting for peace is like for virginity. Feel free to substitute the word you're probably thinking of. Even presidents are prone to get in on the act. Ronald Reagan, who was pro-life, made this statement. I noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. Like any president I've ever read about, Abraham Lincoln was called hypocritical and two-faced by his political opponents. His self-deprecatory remark was, If I had two faces, do you think I would wear this one? While on the topic of Lincoln, in 1863, at a fever pitch of the Civil War, President Lincoln assembled the brainiest men in his cabinet for a meeting. The men gathered, stern-faced and burdened with worry. Lincoln came in the room, and they're expecting him to give some sort of dire notice or information on the war. Instead, what he did was he regaled them with a story by America's most popular humorist, Artemis Ward. It was a profane story about a wax dummy destroyed by an idiot. Lincoln loved offbeat, crude humor, and he thought the wax dummy story was hilarious. I sure wish I knew that story. 
Even more, I wish I knew what the cabinet member's reaction was to it. The writer of humorous stories is not interested in giving us a joke fest. The story is more intellectually based, encouraging us to follow along and to think. For many people, Mark Twain comes to mind. He is sometimes lauded as America's first stand-up comedian. But that's not strictly true. Our first stand-up comedian in America was, in fact, Artemis Ward, who, like Mark Twain, used a stage name. Ward's real name was Charles Farrar Brown. At the time Mark Twain first met Artemis Ward in 1863, Twain was a newspaper reporter in Virginia City. The two became fast friends. Now, this was a time when humor began to thrive in newspapers, books, and on stage. The Civil War had taken such a tragic toll on the country, both North and South, that people welcomed a lightness of being in their lives in any way they could find it. They turned readily to burlesques, minstrel shows, lectures, and funny stories in newspapers such as Mark Twain's The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, which set the country on a knee-slapping binge of hilarity from San Francisco to Boston. When the two met, Artemis Ward was already a cultural icon in the East, as Mark Twain was in the West. Ward's shows were always sold out, and not surprisingly, Twain admired him immensely. The two hit it off by drinking, carousing, and generally having a riotous time in the Wild West town of Virginia City, Nevada. Twain studied Ward's act and learned from him. Ward used pauses to great effect, sometimes stretching them out interminably. So did Mark Twain. Ward could seemingly lose track of his subject, interrupt himself, mumble incoherently, and sometimes fail to get back to his original point. So did Mark Twain. Here's one of Ward's many non-sequiturs. I once knew a man in New Zealand who didn't have a tooth in his head, and yet that man could beat a drum better than any man I ever saw. Eventually, Mark Twain became a much more skilled and popular performer than Ward. We'll never know how much more skilled Ward would have become, or how famous. Artemis Ward died in 1867 at the age of 33 of tuberculosis. I can't help but wonder how many people nowadays even remember his name. Try and imagine this. At times, Mark Twain would shuffle onto the stage and out to the podium. He'd light his cigar and stare at the audience and say nothing. He would open his mouth and act as if he were about to say something, but all he'd do was take a draw from his cigar and stare at the audience some more, and say nothing. The silence continued. Finally, there would be whispers of glee, followed by titters and then ripples of laughter, until at long last the entire house erupted in gales of mirth and merriment. Meanwhile, the man with the cigar had yet to speak a word. Oh, if only we'd had video and recording devices back then. But that's why God gave us Hal Holbrook. I wish to conclude this program by making a few book suggestions, all of them chock full of irony, witticisms, and wise utterances, all brief and contemporary, 
and all but one by women authors. Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Fear of Flying by Erica Jong. I Feel Bad About My Neck by Nora Ephron. I'm Just a Person by Tig Nataro. Drinking Coffee Elsewhere by Z.Z. Packer. Let's Pretend This Never Happened by Jenny Lawson. I must conclude, however, with my all-time favorite book of nonsense, which dates back to childhood, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. You'll find each of these books at your local independent bookstores. In Luino, that's Sundance Books and Music, in Las Vegas, the Writer's Block. Please join us in the collective ethosphere on the first and third Sunday of every month for another meditation on words, or stream it at kwnk.org. Thanks for listening. Be safe, be kind, and spread a little laughter wherever you are. Why, you ask? Because laughter matters.